That's right. If you never want me to do that again, I promise it was a one-time thing. But anyway, welcome to episode four of the Wolves Den podcast with your host, Jordan B. Wolf. I am so excited to do this episode today. I've been excited for the past two weeks, even though outside might not be the most exciting thing right now, even though it feels like that the real life circumstances have passed. I still do go out a little bit regularly and I wear a mask. And anytime I go, I ask the one question of, do I piss in a bush or do I piss inside to that host? And most of the time it's piss inside. But anyway, more pressing matters is I am not alone today as that's right. I've got four guests. I've kept you in a loop all week and I have four guests who are all journalism majors, all attend Quinnipiac university, all graduated with bachelor's degree, all displayed to display tremendous chemistry, excuse me. And all of them love sports and consider themselves washed up athletes. That's right. It's the healthy scratches podcast, Jonathan Banks, Brian Murphy, um, Kevin Higgins and Matthew Petrie almost screwed that up guys. Welcome on the show. Thank you. Thanks, Jordan. That is the that, most electric intro <laughs> I have ever heard someone. I'm ready to run buffer. through a wall. I mean, that's that's really Bruce I mean, Buffer. <laughs> I tried to really bring it better than Joe Martinez did during UFC Fight Night, and I hope that I accomplished that because he was awful. I'll explain that in a little bit more. But speaking of Joe Martinez, the first topic that we're going to talk about today is UFC 250, which took place this Saturday, a big milestone pay-per-view. That's right. We had Amanda Nunez versus Alicia Spencer. We had Bruce Buffer back in the building. We had Joe, John Anik back in the building. We had Amanda Nunez in the building. We had Cody Garbrandt. In the, we had so many big-time names in the building. But the first thing we're going to talk about actually has nothing to do with the event itself, and that is the notorious one. Conor McGregor, immediately after the main event bout, announces his retirement for a third time. He claims that he thinks his opponents aren't exciting. He's only 31 years old. Do we actually think he's for real? Anyone can go. No, he's, he's, he's not for real. He's already done this a couple times. Um, I mean, we saw it with Henry Cejudo last week or a few weeks ago. And, I mean, he does it because it gets him attention and it's going to get him a bigger purse in his next fight. And, I mean, his opponents have been exciting. He can just fight one of the Diaz's again. Uh, but I think this was nothing more than a uh, strategic publicity stunt uh, and to perhaps get him some more money for his next fight. I completely uh, agree. Oh, sorry. I'll let you go, Jonathan. I was just going to say, totally second that, that notion. And you talk about when Dana, Wright, Dana White had said that McGregor would get the winner of the Khabib and – Justin, don't know how to pronounce his last name, fight this summer. So when you see that happening, and Conor McGregor, like Kevin references, done this multiple times before, if the price is right, you will see that man back fighting. I think that's exactly how it is, especially he had some choice words for Khabib because he lost him in 2018, and he threatened to kill the other guy in, in another statement. So he, he means some bad blood. You can't tell me these opponents don't excite him in that way. Um, if the money's right, he's coming back. I mean, he might as well have just announced that Khabib's happening in 2021. That's basically all this retirement announcement was. Yeah, and, and no one really bought it, but him retiring and coming back could have been huge in terms of revenue. Like, for example, he, he wanted to have a Mike Tyson-like effect on the sport if he retires and comes back. It's a totally different scenario, but that's what you get when you have someone – who's so popular and at the top of their game retires and then decides to come back later because he thinks he'll make more money off of it. Either way, the, a the big Brett Favre of UFC. Mm -hmm. It really is. Mm -hmm. 
where he's got the charisma, he's got the personality, he's had the accomplishments, but every once in a while he just does something or takes a loss. Yeah, no, you're so. just like, what happened? But does he wear well, Wrangler he'll, he'll jeans? Be, he'll be signing with the Jets after this, then. I'm trying to think what the what the Jets version of does, MMA would does be. Conor McGregor I guess that would Wrangler. be WWE. Does yeah. he wear Wrangler? <laughs> hey, by forty, he might need to. McGregor, All I'm McGregor saying is the death, laser can't, the death laser can't destroy Wrangler jeans. That's my statement on it. McGregor is not retiring. He's okay. coming back. Good analysis, Brian. Thanks, man. From Brian Murphy. And if no one else has anything to add, because you guys basically said what I think and that I believe that if the price is right, like a guy like Anderson Silva, he's probably going to come back again. But speaking of comebacks, we will now move on to Mr. Henry Cejudo. And as Petrie knows, he's been showing up with uh, Mr. Bite Children's Ears Off Mike Tyson in AEW. But now... Today, just like three hours ago, he said he's open to coming out of retirement if he gets a shot at Alexander Volkanovsky's featherweight belt. Do we think this match is realistic? Do we see it happening, or do you want to see it happen? I think it'll happen because Dana White has so much outside pressure with so many fighters complaining about their pay and the fights they've been getting. I think it would be a good show of goodwill if he were able to set up a dream fight like this, get Sajudo back into the ring. We all knew his retirement was probably similar to what McGregor's was. I think it'll happen. Yeah, no, I'd have to just agree with Matt there. And what he referenced at the end, when Zajuda retired, it was this pretty much the same thing. Even Dana White and Joe Rogan were saying, yeah, he's not going to retire for long. So uh, I'm sure that he'll get this shot. And, uh, again, it's just guys right now using their leverage, using their star power to say, I can walk away from this right now if you don't give me what I want when I want it. And so that's what he's doing here. And I think he'll be successful. And we're seeing this type of movement in all sports, too, which is something that you're not used to seeing when you think about, like, the, the NFL, the MLB, for example. But we're starting to see where more athletes are bringing the power to themselves rather than their, their owners or the teams or the people they fight for. And this is another prime example of this where, like Kevin said, Sejudo felt that he could walk away and wait to get the money that he feels he deserves for his fight. And if not, then so be it. But the UFC needs to get these stars back in the ring because – that's what people pay pay-per-view for. People aren't necessarily so locked in on UFC, but whenever Conor McGregor fights, that goes up. Whenever Henry Cejudo fights, that is going to go up the amount of money they're going to make. So it's all about UFC finding a way to make their best fighters happy. Yeah, I had mentioned it when we talked about Cejudo when he immediately retired. I mean, he's, he's such a name in the, the mixed martial arts world that when he did retire, it was such an awkward moment. No fans around. You could see the shock behind him on Dana White when it happened. So a guy like that who has been such a big name, he's one of the best you know, mixed martial artists that we've seen. And the fact that he kind of just awkwardly walked, was willing to walk away from the sport, it just didn't feel right. They certainly, um, hopefully by the time if they're able to organize this fight and everything, they're able to get fans back into the stand so that way he can actually go out on top and he'll be able to have the fans all around him because going out when you're being announced that you're retiring and then they kind of cut to silence. There's no fans cheering. There's no nothing. It was just really, you hate to see that. I mean, if you, if it was one of your favorite athletes that announced his retirement and there was no reaction immediately at all in that moment, I, you would want to kind of feel that you would want something better than that. So for, for Sejudo, I think it's smart. We kind of expect him to come out of retirement He's called the name. It's now, you know, matters of Dana White making it happen, and I think he will. Oh, yeah, you guys made excellent points. There's not really much more I can add on both of that, but one thing I will say is that both these fighters have huge personalities and are guys that I believe are not 
going to be out of the spotlight for too much longer because they both really crave that attention from people, even if it's in bad ways and or good ways. So I like what all of you said, and I agree. I think we're going to see both of these back in the octagon soon enough. But now it is time to talk about the main event, and the main event included probably the best female fighter of all time, the Lioness, Amanda Nunez, against the Canadian sensation. I don't know her nickname, but Alicia Spencer. And what happened in that fight was it was pretty dominant as she won her 11th straight fight, and I believe it went five rounds. And the reason why I say believe is I hosted a party in my backyard, didn't see the main event. You can um, make fun of me for that. But what do you guys think about the main event? Never any hate for partying, Jordan. Uh, I thought the main event <clears throat> just kind of showed how good Nunez is. I mean, it did go the distance, um, but <clears throat> that was among the most lopsided fight. I don't know how Spencer uh, stayed conscious for all of those rounds. Um, it's really hard uh, as a UFC fighter to kind of put on a dominant, to have a performance looked at as dominant when it goes the distance for the most part. It's a difficult thing to accomplish. Um, that was that was incredible. She Right now, Amanda Nunez is head and shoulders better than anyone else in, in the UFC and in, in the women's division. And I'm not sure. I mean, that's someone that maybe could just honestly retire and said their opponents aren't exciting enough because she is that good. And I don't see anyone beating her anytime soon. I completely agree. I think I'll throw a bone to Spencer. I mean, like you said, it was one of the most lopsided decisions we've ever seen that went the distance. And hey, she, her face is a durable punching bag, apparently. Yeah. She, she kept getting, she is a warrior. She has a bright future in the UFC. Because if you can take hits like that, you can work on the rest of your game and come back. It's when you have the weak chin that it's really hard to come back with. But my God, Nunez, like you said, talk about someone who could walk away just because they're like, hey, I've beaten everyone. I beat Ronda. I beat Cyborg. Who else can you throw at me that's worth my time? She's someone who could walk away from a year wait for the next big thing to show up and then knock that next big thing off and say, Hey, I only left because I, I was bored. Yeah. I watched Chris Cyborg fight and I would say to myself, I don't think anyone's ever going to beat her. And Nunez did for more or less pretty easily. And I mean, she's just so, so good. You take UFC two, give a fighter a hundred all attributes and you have a man in Nunez. Pretty much. Yeah, and kind of like what you guys said, credit to Felicia Spencer. And, I mean, Nunez went over after the fight and let her hold the belt. Um, just kind of give her those props. I mean, she was able to go the distance, stay around. And as you guys said, her her face afterwards is, a, you know, a great before and after shot where you can see what the damage can be done in, in the ring. So credit to Spencer. You know, hopefully that she's got a bright future. Obviously, Nunez is a, is a tough, tough opponent to go up against. And, I think that going into it, what happened is exactly what people predicted. Nunez just kind of just dominated the entire time. But, again, credit to Spencer. She was able to hang in there and, you know, didn't get knocked out or anything, went the entire time. And it was good to see Nunez give her that, you know, give her the props at the end, say, like, hey, you could, you know, you could one day win this belt, you know, probably when Nunez is out of league. But kind of giving her that moment with the belt was really nice to see. You know, Felicia Spencer could be the future of the UFC. You took my punches the best. I respect you. <laughs> I, I do have a comment about that, though. Wouldn't it feel weird to you, like, if you just lost a fight and then the person who beat the fight is handing you the trophy that you didn't earn after they destroyed you for I it? I would say that she about as earned that. You no, know, losses I, I'm, not had, saying, man. I'm not saying she didn't, quote-unquote, earn it, but she but 
she lost the fight and then the person who won was like here hold this for half a second and let me take it back because i beat you that's I don't the know most I... amount of respect because nunez is saying hey i have no idea how your brain is still working after these few minutes I, like that that was really i get impressive. it i get it i think the competitor in me um, that's what I mean. Want, wouldn't want the, the winner to hand that to me, but I understand it was a sign of respect and rightfully so. I, I think I get what you mean. I think in most circumstances, it would kind of be looked at as maybe a dip. But I think after that war that Nunez put her through, because I won't say they put each other through it, Nunez put her through it. And she was like, wow, you're still, like Kevin said, your brain is still working. I don't know if you can register the titles in your hands, but one yeah. day this moment might feel sweeter. It's amazing how professional most fighters are. Because it's not, it's not like a basketball or a hockey game or a baseball game where you're just playing a game competitively and playing hard. In fighting, you're literally beating the crap out of the person that you're playing. And then right when the bell sounds, you can give them a hug and a handshake. It's just so crazy how that, how that all balances. But credit to Amanda Nunez for showing the world yet again why she is such a dominant force of nature. Just before we wrap it up, it's, just, it's that mentality of you have – just to even get in the cage, there's that respect, like only a few people are willing to do it. And unless you really got some bad blood boiling between you, I feel like once that bell rings, everyone realizes, all right, we're safe. We made our money. It's behind us. It's like, it's like playing Petrie and Madden when he is fourth and 15, <laughs> because you know, that's like fourth and one for everyone else. And you know, you know he's going to put it away. You just want him to punt, even if he's fourth and 50. I thought you were going to say it's like playing Petrie and Madden because even though there's the, the heat in the middle of the game, we shake hands afterwards. But also, oh, yeah. Respect. Well, it's, it's different because there's always some saltiness after Madden game handshakes because you never believe that the other person beat you. You believe you lost the game for yourself. Yeah, there's only – and the worst is when you do think you got beat. God, you must have got beat bad. Yeah. That's enough Madden talk. No, I mean, no, you guys all made fantastic points. Like I said, there's nothing more I can say besides where do you go with Amanda Nunez from here? I can't really think of any opponent, but that's Dana White's job, not mine. But now we will move on to Sugar Sean O'Malley. I didn't know who this guy was, and I saw pictures of him on Twitter. I looked at him, and the first word that came to my mind was vibrant. And the way – I don't even remember his opponent's name. You guys might have to help me out on that. But the way he knocked out his opponent – was absolutely electric, and this man needs to be in more fights pronto. So, let me just say that that match probably had this is a big step up in comp. (laughs) Thanks, Kevin. Research now. Kevin is uninformed. No, I was was watching a replay of the knockout, and uh, then the the volume came on. That's first of all. Going outside of the fight, that might be some of the best look, looking – the weirdest looks that you're going to see between the hair that O'Malley had, the rainbow, and then the mustache on Eddie Wineland. You're not going to find two better-looking, you know, hair combo, facial hair combo between the two of them. And, I mean, the knockout was brutal. You looked at it, and obviously the UFC is different than boxing. Boxing, you're told to keep your hands up. With UFC, it's a little bit more free-flowing. But, I mean, the guy's hands was down by the – Wineland's hands was down by the waist. It was a clear jab, clear shot that um, O'Malley could take. And, you know, it was good to see. O'Malley is, is up and coming. He's a young guy. I think he's got a bright, bright future ahead of him. And this was a vicious knockout. I think this was one of the bigger statements O'Malley could have made. I completely – I mean, he said it after the fight. He's a bad matchup for anyone in that division. He's nearly six, foot, uh, six feet tall, 72-inch reach. He's long, powerful, quick. Doesn't really have a weak spot. His ground game is pretty on point. 
He's 12 and 0, like Brian said, promising young fighter. And when you make a, when you, like Jordan said, he made a vibrant, bold statement. You got to come out and back that in the ring. And all you can say is he did it. He already called out Sejudo a little bit. He's got big, he's got big prospects in the UFC. Yeah, okay. no, I'd have to pretty much uh, yield to redundancy. As Brian said, I think my favorite part about him is that uh, to, to combine cornrows with rainbow color <laughs> hair, I think, uh, I think, and I don't mean this in a, in a negative way, um, but I think right now in the UFC, people are starting to realize that you kind of have to hype up your personality and your persona WWE-esque type of way to get the big fights, to get the big money, and to get people to tune in. And I think people – and Conor McGregor was one of the trailblazers of that. Um, but I think people like Sean O'Malley, you do something a little weird with your hair, uh, you give fun interviews, and you perform. I think he's kind of created a blueprint for success in today's UFC. And I'm looking forward to watching him progress and watching other people kind of follow in his footsteps. And we can get, uh, I mean, honest, honestly, like last year, how many UFC fighters do you think you could have named? I wouldn't be able to name too many. And right now you have guys like this that are maybe leading the way for bigger names or for people to become bigger names going forward and for the sport to gain popularity. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, you can go ahead, Jonathan. I agree. I just remember a survey from the past kind of about that where I'm sure you guys recall snippets from this where it was revealed that in America, Kenneth Fareed was just as recognizable to the public as Mike Trout. Tried a little bit when I saw that. <laughs> yeah, in a survey about that. Now, and that my boy Kenneth Fareed was a beast on the board. I love the animal, yeah. He was a beast, but it's also Mike, against Mike, Mike Trout, the best player in baseball. But yeah, no, that, and that's what I'm saying. That's why it's so important what Kevin said about how we can now – the name recognition for UFC fighters due to their advertising and promotions is just so much more expanded. And the more names that you can get attached to is the more people that will spend money to pay for these premium pay-per-view fights. And then it makes everybody happy. You see the best quality fights, and you get to do it with a lot of friends while you are enjoying yourself. So I think that name recognition is the most important thing for UFC also because it's simply an individualized sport. Yeah, the last thing that I was going to throw in there is O'Malley's – he's kind of got the swagger going. I mean, he's a prominent figure on social media. He, he tweeted out after the fight – decent that's literally all idea to put out there because he made the he made the statement in the ring and i think that like you guys have said the ufc is starting to become where you need to build your own brand and i think if a guy's going to come out with cornrows all colored rainbow it's going to immediately grab anyone and everyone's attention even if he even if he lost let's say i mean it's, it doesn't help his you know career and it doesn't help him trying to build his brand if he's gonna take the loss but he came out made a statement and it looked like that i feel like o'malley's probably going to be making a name for himself and it's going to be a name we're going to see more and more in the future no yeah once again uh there's not much more i can say and speaking of another fighter who made a statement just like brian said was cody garbrandt another fighter who hasn't fought in a while again apologize for not seeing the whole pay-per-view but what happened was is that it was a buzzer beater i don't remember which round but he ducked and then completely leveled his opponent to the ground and completely just, or that might've been O'Malley, but he just leveled his opponent to the ground and left everyone in stunned silence. So what did you guys feel about that fight? Yeah, no, what, I mean, go ahead, Matt. Oh, I was, no, I was just going to say you, you, you were right. It was him who laid out his opponent ducking, right. Just caught him. It was like, he, it was like he was drawing this fish from a holster, like an old West shooter. He pulled that up so fast, caught it so clean 
the lights were out before he even hit the ground. It was one of the best knockouts I've seen in a while from that weight class. Yeah, no, that was – I mean, buzzer beaters are not usually associated with UFC, and that's as good as it gets. He almost did a little bit of a duck fake and then went right up and exploded. It. And that was – I mean, it, I, I don't really have much analysis to give. That was pretty beautiful. And to do it right at the buzzer – um, to sound pretty barbaric here, it's pretty satisfying when you watch UFC and there's a knockout and, like, the person just kind of, like, can't even – like, it, like it, it wasn't, like, a count, you know? Like, he got hit and, and it he was, was – yeah, He was Everything out. turned off. And those, those, are the, those are the cool ones to watch. So, I, I mean, I, I'm glad since he was okay, but, like, it was – that was pretty epic. Yeah, he, he was very much out like a light. But that is something else – that you like to see that part out in UFC. No, I I think that's actually the strongest part of the podcast thus far. But that's what you like to see. We talked about in our previous previous discussion about this how name recognition will go a long way for the sport. And then when you add in things like that, where you have quick knockouts and fights that just involve people just pummeling each other, because that's what the average fan wants to see. I know a lot of us in here don't know the exact techniques of fighting. You just like to see people punching each other. And on the ropes, Kevin, name three types of punches. Exactly. And then we got a jab, we got a hook, we got an uppercut. That's true. Those are the three I knew. Yeah, those are the only three. Technically, a a straight is different than a jab. Boom. Left jab, right jab. Regardless, (laughs) directional. Think about it. When you're buying a pay per view fight in a group of fans, you just want to see people punch and kick each other, no matter what happens. So that is exactly what we saw in this last batch of UFC. And I think once a big name gets on the main card, then it, then it really open it up for a new, a new group of fans. But this was a really good fight, a really good KO. I'm excited to see more of it in the future. Yeah, I would say that that probably was the, the biggest moment out of the card. I think maybe the only other one was Cody Stammen um, getting the win just days after his brother died. That, that one was really emotional yeah. to see just the interview. I mean, he had Joe Rogan almost in tears when he was doing the interview with him. Kind of like what we saw with Walt Harris when his daughter um, was found dead, but then he, he didn't win the fight, and that was kind of tough to see Oreen beat him. But the fact that um, Stammen was able to come out on top against Keller, that was, that was just a feel-good moment. I mean, you saw he broke down immediately after. So as much as, like, the, the knockout by Garmer was probably the biggest MMA, the biggest um, UFC kind of the fight moment, I think the moment from the entire event was definitely Stammen um, getting that victory. That was, that was again, just one of the feel-good moments. You really feel for the guy because it was just days ago his brother uh, wound up dead. Um, but those, that moment and then obviously the, the guard probably was the biggest moment of the, of the card. Yeah, everyone, once again, well said. So as we, I can say for UFC 250, a lot of headlines outside the octagon, a lot of headlines inside the octagon. But now we'll move to a topic that I'm sure everyone is tired of talking about, and that is the MLB. As last week, Jeff Passan of Jonathan Banks' company ESPN reported that MLB rejected an MLBPA proposal of 114-game season, which would have went from June to October. Then Passan reported on Monday that the MLB is expected to counter propose a 50-game season in which players get paid full prorated salaries. Then Carl Ravage, out of all people to report this news that I didn't expect, reported this morning that a new proposal has been sent out there by the MLB and it is 75 
um, percent players prorated salaries in a six seventy six game season playoff pool money, which I don't really know what that means. No draft compensation for a signing player. The season would finish September twenty seventh. The postseason would end late October, and the season would start July tenth. And Joel Sherman who commented about the playoffs on this proposal would say the MLB wanted 16 teams to make it H E league one seed would play the eight seed two plays the seven in the best of three first round. A lot of information to get out there, but I did it thoughts on if you guys think this leads anywhere. I'm just sick of always thinking about we're taking a step forward, but we're really not. We're just always in the same place with these two sides. So Jordan, I applaud you because that was a mouthful to get out. Yeah, in a few seconds. So well done on on hitting all your bullet points there. But I'll, I'll I'll start answering the point. And I think for the owners, you're seeing a lot of the same type of proposal in different formats. And I think that's something that the players and the players union understands and sees that the owners aren't necessarily making a lot of sacrifices to get this season to happen. And it's interesting because the prorated salaries is still what gets me because that's mainly what everyone's talking about. The players already agreed to take a pay cut. So anything else is them taking a pay cut upon the pay cut they agreed to. So I think that it's going to be a stretch to get players to agree to that, especially I don't, I'm not good at math. I don't know the exact amount of pay cuts that they would take in this new deal, but it's something that is going to really have to be revisited by the owners if they want a deal, because I think both sides should be desperate to get something to happen, but it looks like both sides are standing their ground. And while you, while it's admirable and you have to respect that, this is going to hurt the sport so much more than any other professional sport if it has to sit out a year due to a lockout of some sorts, even during the pandemic. Yeah, I'm, I'm more on right now to just take a step back from even the negotiations, uh, just a more general thought. Um, this was a really big opportunity for baseball. Obviously, unfortunate circumstances in terms of a global pandemic, but this was baseball's opportunity to have everyone watch you. While I mean, sure. in the summer, obviously in the dog days of summer, it's the only sport on anyways, but a lot of not this year. sports fans are pretty much burnt out from NHL or NBA playoffs. Um, this was their chance. This was their absolute chance to get everybody to watch them and nothing else. And people would be craving any kind of sports and the ratings would be astronomical. And they completely screwed the pooch. They uh, have blown an opportunity uh, for potentially – thousands of new fans and it's just it's irritating the most because it's all built out of greed at this point especially from the owner's point of view and you know I understand that the players are employees and the owners are the owners um, but it seems like right now the owners are wanting so much concessions from the players that it's just entirely unreasonable for the players to even want to play and it's really upsetting to me to watch uh, very rich people want to get just a little more money and in the process, potentially ruining an entire season and maybe even parts of an entire fan base. Yeah, this is, this is, and the MLBPA came out and they said the new, even the new proposed things is, is even worse than what was proposed prior. So it feels like it's not even one step forward. It just feels like it's constantly taking step backwards from all this. And, and like you guys have said, this was a prime opportunity for baseball to be the one sport going on possibly. I mean, at the time we didn't know what the NHL and the NBA plans were. And this, I would say this sport out of the four major team sports, and that's including hockey at Max Kellerman, um, 
this was the one league that couldn't afford to not play at all. Like, yeah, let's say the NBA didn't finish their season, they would rebound. The NHL season didn't um, finish, they would rebound. If NFL doesn't start on time, they certainly would rebound. MLB was the one sport that if, if nothing happens, they're going to be hurt by far the most out of any of the four. And so, I, I it, like Kevin said, I'll back what he, it sucks to see rich people just wanting to get a little bit richer. And it's they're looking at, and I get it's a business, but they are looking at not as baseball, and they're looking at way too much just as Major League Baseball for business. And, and they're gonna they're gonna suffer from it. It may not be immediate, but I think down the line they already know. We already know that the MLB is losing out on the younger generations, and this is not gonna help it at all. All right, I'll keep my short and sweet. Uh, the MLB owners know they're wrong when they're the reason Tom Krasnowski had to hold up a paper sign <laughs> acknowledging that he was wrong. That's all the proof you need to know that you're on the wrong side of history. That might have been the greatest thing I've ever seen, that you coerced Tom Krasnowski to hold up a sign. And he, should, all, and he sent me all the Jonathan, All Jonathan. Yes, you are, you are welcome for that. That might be the finest accomplishment I've had in my college experience, which is getting Tom Krasnowski to not only – openly freely admit he was wrong but get him to hold up a sign that said he was wrong that can be photoshopped in a variety of different ways or just used in group chats for years to come exactly i don't know if we're ever going to see that again he's probably not going to do something like that again so the fact that you got to happen once is a shocker to me but yeah you guys pretty much nailed it once again about baseball and one thing i do want to say is that 2021 is when the current CBA expires. It's coming fast. So if they really want to have a realistic chance of playing a season, they better figure out something now. Because if they don't, then we might not see baseball for a long, long time. And that's going to hurt ratings. That's going to hurt fans. That's going to disappoint huge Yankee fans like me. So you guys, like I said, you nailed it. If any, no one else has anything to say, I will introduce something new right now, which is going to be an installment of Wolf Weekly. We're going to zoom right through this just like they do on the track. That's right. I'm talking about NASCAR because it's happening. It's live. And I went to Chris Cohen's house yesterday and I watched the race. Yes, I did that. So the winner of the Xfinity Series this week in Bristol, not Connecticut, Bristol, Tennessee, didn't know that actually existed, was Noah Gragson, the winner of the truck series. I don't even know if I spelled this right, but it's okay. Greg Effinger or something along those lines. And then in Atlanta, I watched the whole race, 325 laps. It was kind of a slugfest, but stage one and two, Martin Truex Jr., he got the job done there. But the overall winner was Kevin Harvick, and they actually have a line on the track named after Kevin Harvick. It was his second win in three years. Essentially, what I'm saying is Kevin Harvick, this is his track to dominate on. So now, I know you guys talked about this on your latest episode of the Healthy Scratches podcast on Spotify. That's right. It was a shameless plug. But we're going to talk about it again. The NBA on this past Thursday approved a 29 to 1 vote in which Adrian Wojnarowski, ESPN senior insider, reported the NBA, oh, it will be in Orlando, Florida starting July 31st. 13 teams from the Western Conference, nine teams from the Eastern Conference. So if you do the math, 22 teams, teams from the West, Lakers, Clippers, Nuggets, Jazz, Thunder, Rockets, Mavericks, Grizzlies, Trailblazers, Pelicans, Kings, Spurs, Suns. From the East, a lot less teams, Bucks, Raptors, Celtics, shout out to Matt Petrie, Heat, Pacers, Sixers, shout out Jonathan Banks, Nets, Magic, and the Wizards. And so it's reported eight regular season games for each team. And this is where it gets a bit complex. I'm going to send them to the Pat McAfee show because they somehow explain this so eloquently and beautifully, and I can't really do it right now. But if the ninth seed is more than four games behind eighth, 
the eight makes the playoffs. It's fewer than four games and it requires a play-in. The play-in would require double, double elimination format for the eighth seed, single elimination for the ninth, and then the draft lottery is August 25th. The draft is October 15th. So if you guys just want to give, once again, your quick thoughts on this proposal, I know you talked about it on your last episode, but the floor is yours. Who wants to go? <laughs> all, all I'm going to say is, I guess I'll just start off in, in a discussion that we had, um, mainly on, on our show on Healthy Scratches. The discussion about this was more about if this format was better than the NHL's approved format. But uh, okay. in, in this case, we can discuss um, why it works because you're giving any team that had a semblance to make the playoffs a chance to play. My main caveat with it was that seating doesn't matter for NBA teams, and they've shown that in the last few years with load management and other aspects where they just don't care what seed they end up as. But this is a good way to get teams back into the flow of things before the playoffs. I understand that aspect of it. And you get more basketball, and you get NBA such a name-driven thing rather than a team-driven corporation. So to get the best names out there to play makes total sense. And – this starting in July 31st still gives players a time to get in shape and they know exactly what they're getting into. So it, it makes a lot of sense to get this going. The one caveat though, that I heard that this doesn't have much to do with anything. Apparently the scheduled date for the NBA draft is supposedly the same day as a presidential debate and the Kansas city chiefs and Buffalo bills Thursday night football. So they're probably going to have to relook into changing the date for the NBA draft. But besides that, I'm excited to see some basketball. Chiefs, Chiefs Bills is going to get uh, better ratings than the presidential debate, by the way. I actually would oh, disagree. No, I, would I, I disagree. You get those. Two <laughs> was like, absolutely. Yeah. No, no. It's, <laughs> those two in front of a Michael, that, that's a totally different topic, but uh, that'll be fun. No, uh, Jonathan, I agree. I thought you made terrific points as to why the NBA's plan is better than the NHL's. So all these teams get to round themselves back into shape um, for the most part. And Again, I think the best part of this is the teams that had a chance don't get robbed of that opportunity. Um, and I thought it was pretty fair that, you know, if if you're 16 games below 500 and you're more than six games out, just go home. All right, just go home, rest up. We, we No one needs this. So I thought it was pretty fair for those teams. And um, it was pretty complicated to put all of this together, I'm sure. But I think Adam Silver and his board of directors and the competition committee did a great job. Oh yeah. Yeah. Ditto. There's not much more I can say about that. Adam Silver is the knight in shining armor. He just makes decisions so swiftly, competently. He's got everything done and people are really going to start to be on his side. He's probably become my new favorite commissioner, but next we're going to talk about something that I don't usually talk about on this podcast. And that's Quinpiac men's hockey as we all attend that school and something really important happened today. And that is, the Quinnipiac men's ice hockey head coach, Ram Pecknold, and Anthony DeComo 2.0, Stephen Pappas, that's right, I said it, reported that Odin Tufto will be named the 47th captain in team and program history. Wyatt Bongiovanni and Peter DeLibertori are going to be named assistant captains. Before you guys go, I just want to say this was a no-brainer decision. This guy gives you everything he wants. I'm going to do an impromptu lyrical genius. I'm getting assists like my name is Odin. I'm not talking about Post Malone. Odin Tufto, no-brainer choice of a captain. So, Yeah, and I think that's important because you saw sophomore year when, when I was covering the team, 
Uh, Chase and you know, Chase Prisky, the former captain now in the AHL, took Odin Tufto under his wing. Seemed like he showed him the ropes and everything, what it was about to be a leader. And honestly, I expected Odin Tufto to be named the captain for this coming year. Was Nick Germain turned out to be a great choice? Nick was a great leader of the team, but I thought Tufto had a chance because he could do the role for two years just like Chase Prisky had. But regardless, when you look at who's on the roster, this was, this was a no-brainer decision, like you said. Um, it's going to be great. But I do want to clarify that Rand Pecknell tweeted this out this morning. It was okay. not Steve who broke the news. Steve just Steve, that's no credit. back off of it. But he is Anthony DeCombo 2.0. That is a very, very fair assumption. Yeah. Um, I remember the first Quinnipiac uh, hockey game I went to. Um, and you get like a little program. And there was buzz about this Tufto kid. And I watched him play. And I said to myself, he's going to be – a leader on this team and I'd, I'd be surprised if he wasn't captain or alternate captain at some point. And so I, I think this was a terrific choice. I bit my tongue, hate to see it. Um, I think this is a terrific choice uh, by Rand Pecknold and by the team as a whole. Um, you talked about a guy with just goes out there and plays. He's not the biggest guy. He's far from it. And he goes out there and so much of his production is gained from hard work. And I, I think, you know, as uh, Rand Pecknold would say, Fits into the culture pretty well. High character guy. And uh, I think that matches the blueprint for a Rand Pecknold leader and a Quinnipiac leader. So um, uh, congratulations to Odin. And I think uh, Bon Giovanni and Liberatore as well are great choices for alternate captains. Yeah. And I just want to add, plug this in quickly. I just looked up the incoming seniors for the Quinnipiac men's hockey team. Josh Mayanja, Keith Petrozelli, Odin Tufto, and Joe O'Connor. So no disrespect to anyone there, but I think Odin Tufto clearly shows the best in a leadership position out of, out of that list. Josh Mayanja, if you're listening to this, I would have voted for you. Josh Mayanja, same here. Ditto. Just like Kevin said. I doubt you know even who I am, but thank you. So now, if Brian, if you don't have anything else to say, because I know you are the men's ice hockey beat reporter, or you still are or were, I don't know. But do you have anything else to add? Um, I'll just say that, I mean, you think about it, Tufto was a guy that probably if there is no coronavirus, I wonder if he even comes back to Quinnipiac. I mean, he was one of the higher toited uh, free agents in college <laughs> hockey. And I got to imagine there is definitely some team out there that's got some interest in him. But the fact that he was able to keep coming back, I think that speaks a lot to what he believes the program can do. And I, they had a lot of unfinished business that they weren't able to make a run this year. Um, with everything being suspended and canceled. Um, I think Deliberatory is another one that probably Vegas would have signed if the coronavirus hadn't happened. Um, but he chose to come back. And I think, like you guys said, just back off your points, Tufto's been a guy that I think since day one, yes, he was one of the underclassmen, but um, he's been a voice in the team. He, he leads by example. He's, I think, by far one of the more skilled players that I've seen in person in college hockey. Um, and I think that he was a great selection for a captain. I mean, kind of like what Jonathan said, I'm not sure who else did you want to give it to. Um, and he probably could have had it last year instead of Jermaine, but I think Jermaine um, did a great job this year. So congratulations to Odin. I think it's very much well-deserved. Well said. Well said. Petrie, I don't know if you want to say anything about it, but I'm pretty sure everyone just hit the nail on the head with it. So if you don't, that's fine. Well, congrats to Odin. Yep, congrats. That's about <laughs> all I got. That, no, that, no, that's fair enough. Well said. So lastly, we'll move on to something I think is going to be a lot of fun. And if this current situation has taught us anything, this is a perfect time 
to reminisce. And what I'm talking about is this last segment is called Rattle My Cage. And as I explained in my first episode, what that means is I'm going to talk about a miscellaneous topic that the viewers are not really into, but I am. Something I was knees deep into freshman year was something called Dana Vibes. As you can tell from this podcast, I have a pretty big personality. And so people want to see in front of a camera. And so what we did was a seven episode YouTube series, which for some reason I referred to as a podcast. It's not, this is a podcast. It was about me just experiencing life within the Dana English hall hallways and experiencing life and meeting new people. So I would like to now reminisce and get your guys thoughts on maybe what some of your favorite moments were. I'm can't wait to hear this. So here we go. I think there are a lot of classic stories. The first one that I will talk about, which you and I have discussed um, a few days ago, which is the quarterback of the green Bay Packers is Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers has shown an innate ability to grow a mustache. And freshman year, Jordan Wolf was getting a little facial hair. So I remember some of the guys and I, we, we in the, the bathroom, we, we all put up a picture of Aaron Rodgers and then weekly showed your progress of your mustache next to Aaron mm-hmm. Rodgers. And I think it was a good six or seven weeks before you actually shaved because you were making some progress on that. But I think that was, that was a great bonding moment for, for a lot of people. And it, it was a lot of fun to see you take that in stride. Because you might not be as good at football as Aaron Rodgers, but you were getting close in the facial hair department. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers better at me than football, better at me than growing facial hair. So we evidently figured that out. So better than all of us. Yeah, don't sell yourself short on that facial hair, man. It was it, it was really coming along at that point. But hey, you and Kevin are very close in terms of facial hair, in terms of who can grow them and who yeah. can grow it in nicely. It's close. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's 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 a mess. I have to shave all the Mine time. is the only one that allows me to not get access to certain schools. <laughs> <laughs> okay, elaborate. <laughs> I'm not elaborating. No, I, Petri, I think you should elaborate on that. I I I know what he means. <laughs> I think my favorite my favorite memory from Dana Vibes. I probably can't discuss too in detail because the interaction yeah. Jordan had when he came in to my room that year i don't think oh. he would like i don't think he would like to repeat what uh the phrasing that he used no we're not even sure what either. you were trying to say but um it came across as something that i do not believe you meant to say jordan but hey sometimes when the camera's on i don't know what this is say no, no no go ahead go ahead <laughs> uh, if, hey i'm not gonna say it because i didn't say it i'll let jordan say it if he wants to no i think we're just gonna leave oh it. guys come on what is that we listen are we rattling your cage or not bro all oh, right all right, all right. Uh, now you're really taking jordan, the jordan's shot. cage was very much rattled that day well, I, 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 I need i need to know the context of this cage rattling i just um i just talked about what you know kind of the wind does outside when it kind of spins around that's how we, yes I, I recall this kevin what? Off air, you, you can hear more about it. But, Jordan, just talk about your experience because when, when we think about Dana Vibes, we think about you oh, okay. and your experience with that. And, with you your know, very close friend, Nick Slater. Yeah, um, hotshot, as I like to call him now. But, um, yeah, no, that, that ended great. So the first thing I'll talk about is the whole daily dartboard thing. And I don't know why this was a thing, but we all got invited to a Jerry Springer show freshman year. We all went on the bus. We all need something to talk about on the back of the bus. Classic, like, high school trip-esque. So what we decided to do was, like, this letter game, something. I don't know. But what I do know is that I proposed that, like, to bring up, liven up the picnic to bring a dartboard. And so 
what happened after that is I had Patreon an episode called Get Sportier, and he wore an I Survived First Take shirt. We sat in like the Dana Hall common room and we both, exp- and I explained it just like I did here on that episode. And I, and every time the word dartboard is said, I have to point my finger like this and just make some type of noise because the two things that I've learned from this series are people really eat up my facial expressions and my um, motions and gestures and noises. So that's a big one right there. So that might be one of my favorite moments and the Quimbo slice bow and arrow. If one of you would like to explain what you saw in that, or would you like me to explain it? I think, I think you have to explain it. Okay. So there was this kid freshman year. His name is Quimbo. I still can't pronounce his name now. Um, I think he's French. I, I, he's from Connecticut. I don't really care, but he I don't lived think he's in- French. <laughs> I, 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 maybe he has French parents, but I've spoken to him multiple times. I can confirm he is not English. French. You know, I forgot that kid existed. No, Matt, Matt Daly's the real kid that you forget existed. Not, not, not no, I don't bro. forget Matt Daly existed. Okay, all right. Well, anyway, so essentially what happened with that was for some reason, every time I saw Quinn, I would give nicknames freshman year. That's a really big thing is I thought I was the king of nicknames freshman year. And it turns out the harsh reality says I wasn't because most of them didn't make any sense. For example, before I explain the bone era, one of them is – I already yep, knew what she's coming. Yeah. Okay. So basically I went up to Peachy freshman year. I'm like, what's up, P-Sizzle? And I said it right in front of him and his parents during parents weekend. Then Petrie confronted me and was like, Hey, Jordan. He's like, I, I saw that my parents really enjoyed that. So thanks for doing that for me. I'm like, uh, no, okay, it's just no that, problem. you know, like for the next month and a half, my mom would call me. And it was better than being called <laughs> on Petrie. <laughs> Petrie's first semester or two of college also has a ton of stories, which we can get into on another podcast. No, I mean, I don't know if those can be monetized on a podcast, to be completely honest. uh, Well, Jordan, I I, I think I speak for Evan when I say that our college experience has no doubt been for the better with with you in it and you living next door to me freshman year. I think we can all confidently say. That, that you have made our college experience better than anticipated. Oh, George, man. Do, you want to, do you want to hear a fun story? Go for it. Fun story? Okay. Um, Maggie Smith's parents were up for parents weekend and they walked oh. past your dorm and they like saw you talking in there. Um, and Maggie's dad goes to Maggie and just says, that kid must be a burnout, huh? He's <laughs> like, nope. That is our Jordan Wolf, and I thought, I thought that you did you did you have any nicknames for for me or Brian or Jonathan? Yeah, I, I called Jonathan like Money in the Banks or something, or you can yeah. bank on that or what? I really enjoyed his last name for Brian. Yeah. I think I just went straight up Grandpa, and for you, Kevin, I I didn't really want to go there. I tried to tread lightly, so I didn't even think of one. <laughs> <laughs> that is the best insult I've ever heard. No, no, it's just Holy that, like, I, I just feel like he would, like, really obliterate no me if I were to give him a nickname. So that's my thing. Seriously. Are you inferring? You're an intimidating figure. Are you inferring that that Kevin can't take anything? He can dish it out, but he can't take it? No, no what I'm saying is, is that I feel like if I gave him a nickname, I didn't want to hear about it for the next two weeks of how bad it was. Oh, because he relentlessly burns things into the ground sometimes. Look, you guys, if you want to take shots at him, you will. I like Kevin. He's my friend. I'm not going to go there. That sounded so forced, um, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) 
Kevin, you're not our friend. Kevin is my friend. I truly no. appreciate him. I'm not trying to sound we like you have a rant right now, okay? That's you, not you the were, point. You were scared hey. to give me a Nate Jordan. I'm so sorry. Wow. Uh, Kevin, you're intimidating. All you sound like is Tommaso Ciampa pre-Johnny Gargano. You just sound like a great friend. Oh, jeez. I, okay. I feel bad that I scared you out of giving me a nickname. I'm sorry. Oh, no, I really shouldn't have brought that up. That's really what the truth was. It's better than you hear it than you don't hear it. So, yeah. What? Um, Basically, Kevin's a bully. No, what, did, what did Kevin do to you, Jordan? What did Kevin secretly do to you? I mean, I remember there was one moment that I got a little bit thrown off by during freshman year, and I went into Tom and Kevin's room, and I remember the camera panned slowly to Kevin. He gave a pretty big smile, and then after that, he kind of flipped the bird when I walked outside the door. So that was definitely one of them. <laughs> so. Yo, Kevin, what's good with you? What? No, no. <laughs> I can't give oh, my friends the middle finger. Is Kevin not as nice as we think he is? It, oh, I if I can't give my friends the middle finger, I don't know what world I'm living in. Was it was it directed at the person holding the camera? I'm giving you a chance to save yourself. I don't remember it, but probably, probably right? Probably, yeah, it was. I bet you, or, or I don't know who it was, but it was probably him. It should be him, but yeah. Is there anything else you guys would like to say, or would, should I explain the... I'm quim- pretty much speechless at this point. Oh, <laughs> I really fumbled that. Okay. No, no, no. Should we, Sanchez. Shots? Should we keep taking shots at Kevin? Or... Wait, wait. What I'm hearing is that Kevin's nickname has to be debuted right now. Uh, yeah. I don't that's know if the real way yeah, to That's what I'm hearing. Yeah. I, got, I got one. Okay. It's going to be Kev Daddy, if that's what he really likes. So. No, 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 no. You can't <laughs> you have just something take his established nickname. nickname. That's already been out there. No, no, no. Is it not out there? I'm living under a rock then. Okay. Um. Oh, my gosh. I can't. I mean, I always used to say freshman year. You, you gave like me seven Christ. different nicknames, Jordan. You can come up like with ten. one for reason, Kevin. For I found it easier to give you nicknames than I did for Kevin. I don't know why that is. But I mean, to be fair, I'm not even terrible. Jewish, and I had Jufro for about seven years. So, like, I do get a lot of nicknames. What? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. Um, I used to call Kevin freshman year Dash from Incredible, so I don't know if that holds any credence right now. But, oh, jeez. Okay. I mean, I'll take it. Ugh, but yeah. I, I called Speaking myself. Speaking of random roasts, I, I this is maybe this is not a great thing to bring up right now, but I love. I don't think I've ever seen anyone react worse than I thought they would than when Kevin saw my 2K character for him. Well, that was that. Well, there yes. was, there, there yes. was, there was, that was that was the most <laughs> there, there, I, thing I, I, I have I, ever seen. That, but that that was for that was for Kevin, different reasons. Kevin You're misinterpreted it. Kevin could not have misinterpreted that more, and that was the craziest yeah, well, thing. Well, it was that was that was different. That was different. I just remember I showing. I was so excited to show you guys. That, that was just was like, What do I look like? That, that was, was. What is this, Petrie? I forgot about that moment, but I'm really glad that I was reminded. That was different for different. I forgot about that. That it was di- it was different for different reasons. This is true. Oh man, no. we really went off the rails here. Um, for the listeners who will be eventually listening to this, um, I'm sorry if I opened up some dirty laundry. I'm sorry if I didn't. It, it's up for your take. This, so, this is the best segment of the podcast. Let's be honest. With uh, you. Rattle, you, my cage is rattled. Okay, that's yes. the, this that's is the main, cage isn't main, rattled. This <laughs> is a mainstay on the wolf's den. Rattle okay. someone's cage every week. You have a guest. Uh, I, that's not really what I meant f- to be for, but we'll see what happens when I do it again next week. But if no one else has anything else they want to talk about. Um, in the last coming minutes, then I guess I could end it. But if anyone does have something they want to talk about, feel free. The now is the time. This is what I like to call 
Wolf free time. So <laughs> impromptu. It was impromptu. Wolf free time. So you just threw your last name in front of free time. Yes, I did. That's, exactly <laughs> That's how I mean. you brand say hey, if it works for our president, it works for Jordan, damn it. I mean, he calls it Trump, Trump Tower, Trump Hotel. I mean, come on. All right, that's actually that's actually a fair point. I'm sold on that. I wouldn't um, I wouldn't draw comparisons between yourself, Jordan, and Trump. No, I'm not. I promise you, time, I'm not. I promise I honestly, you, that's not where I'm going. I don't have anything to add, but Jordan, I appreciate you inviting me and us on personally. Yeah, to help promote yeah. our brand and also to endorse yours. Uh, you're a great friend to, to all all of us here. It was it was a great time, and we we appreciate it. And we're looking. Looking forward to seeing the Wolves' den grow, to be honest, because that, that den is going to get bigger and bigger each week with, the, with yeah. the electricity that goes on here. Yeah, sure. And the den's definitely not staying in New Jersey for much longer. It's, it's moving, whether it's oh, Hamden, Connecticut. Yeah, it's whether it's Hamden, Connecticut, whether it's Boca Raton, Florida, whether it's maybe somewhere back in New Jersey, I don't know. But I appreciate the sentiments, Jonathan. And I guess for that, this is where I'll transition to my ending. Um, I would just want to say a quick thank you to the nurses because the virus still does exist, even though – there's been a lot bigger things that have happened in the last couple of weeks, but it still exists. And I just want to thank them for going into really incredible hostile environments and just handling it with so much class and effort. And especially to your mom as well, Jonathan. And so now is the time where I will plug socials. You can follow at Peel. Uh, nope. That's the Snapchat that I'll get into a second at Jordan Wolf 26 on Twitter and Instagram at the Wolf's Den one on Twitter at Peel six on Snapchat. If you guys would like to give hey, your ladies. socials, now is the time. Wait, what? Your snaps out there. Yeah, that's good. I want it. It's about building your brand just like with the podcast. So I mean anyway, yeah. anyway, any day. So Yeah. If you if you want if you want to follow us on Twitter um, for our show, it's at Scratches Pod. And if you want to follow me on Twitter personally, Jonathan Banks eight underscore, but smash the follow for Scratches Pod. We 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 want some more cloud out there for us. We got some great stuff coming up. No, you guys should, because I listen to it every single week and they mention me and it's great. So every single Sunday, Saturday, that's what I do in my basement by myself. I look forward to listening it on Spotify. So with that, I will bid you adieu. Episode four, Finito. You look forward to me probably being by myself for episode five. And that's where we will end it. Have a great week, everyone. Stay safe, be healthy. Enjoy the nice weather. Word. Word. Good shit.